Well, you should all feel very comfortable tonight because I am, um, I, I am just, whoa, look, look, there's my name. Uh, I am, I'm just delighted to be here. Now, I have, we're going to do, uh, you know, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, joy. And um, our verse that comes for our passage is Galatians, what, 522. All right. So, if you were in one of my, now I teach the middle school, high school choir. I teach their Bible study quite often. And so I'm going to pretend that you're my choir Bible study. And I would not want you to come in and, and just, oh. Tell them about what happened. Oh, just as you I want. If you want joy. <laughs> yeah, if you want joy, this is going to give you joy. It gave me joy. Uh, just as I walked in tonight. Uh, I got a text on my phone that said five kids in our El Sistema music program, that's an orchestral music program, received Christ to tonight. And I, I want you to know, yeah, like praise God. I was so excited I could hardly stand it. I said to John, I said, like this has made my whole night. It is a high, very high risk. The highest risk students that um, Urban Impact deals with are in athletics and in this orchestral program because I have them five, four days a week after school. I feed them dinner. They get music lessons. They get tutoring every single day. And so I get the very lowest, and they pay no money to attend the program. It's 100% free. And so this is my highest risk program. Um, and the, the kids have, are, they have never heard the name of Jesus except as a swear word. And so they, to have five of those students come to Christ tonight is fantastic. And I want you to know who gave the Bible study. It was Amanda Wagner. So, like, yeah, like, doesn't it just charge your batteries to be part of the kingdom of God? Like, I don't want to be anywhere else because, you know... And what we're talking about, I mean, Denny's, Denny's message tonight is very appropriate and it's very um, sobering because what we're talking about is joy, right? And, and it says, okay, so we're going to say, as if you're my choir, uh, let's go, I'll click to it really quick here. Um, well, we're going to skip that one. We're skipping that one. All right, start where the quote is. Let's say our verse together. Out loud, because what? Because we have to memorize God's word. We have to get it beyond the page, and it has to become the fiber of our beings if it's going to transform us. You know, you got to percolate on it, right? Like a cow and chew on it, like over and over again. All right, so here we go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, if you were in my choir, I would also, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to click back now. Am I clicking back? I am. It's so awesome. Okay, well, we're going to go back. Uh, if you were in my choir, <clears throat> I would have you sing it. Because you'll remember more if you sing it versus if you say it. But tonight, as you came in, I, want, I gave you uh, a piece of paper. It looks like this. You should have all received a piece of paper like this and a pen like this. Did, now, does anyone not have this? Raise your hands because Miss Nancy's going to come to you because you need this because this first part's going to be a little boring and I was afraid you might fall asleep. So I decided I would make a fill in the blanks for you so that I could keep you with me. It's not genius. It's because I work with kids. I know how to do this. All right. So we'll click slowly along so that you can stay in the moment, all right? Because it's, but this is going to be great. 
So here we go. We're going to start with our definition of joy. Now, the first thing that I want to tell you about our definition of joy, I have this, I got a cold last night. So I got a little cough drop because when I was, you know, practicing earlier, you know, I got a little, <coughs> and I, I may have to do that. Have a little bit of this right here. It's going to, and it's going to be great. It's all fine. So you, you, I'm relaxed. I'm good. If you can handle all the, the realness of Tammy up here, then we're going to be great. We're going to have a great time. All right. So. The Webster Dictionary definition of joy is going to, oh, like I looked it up and I didn't put it on here because I don't want it to mess you up, but it says joy and in the definition it equals happiness. And then it will flip and when you look up happiness, joy is always in the definition. But when we look at a biblical like definition of joy, it doesn't, it, it's not like that. It's different. So I didn't want to put that up there. That's why it's not there. But now let's look at how, look, 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 we're going to, it's not an exhaustive definition, but it's going to give us some hooks to hang what we're talking about tonight on, because we need to know what is this thing, joy, that we're talking about. All right, so clicking away now. All right, so the root word for joy in the Greek is kara, which is very closely tied, okay, now to the, the Greek word charis, meaning grace. Now, what I want you to think of when we think of kara and charis, they come from the same root word. So think of a coin that has two sides. Grace is on one side and joy is on the other. That's how close they are. All right, now I want you to understand something else about that, that if grace and, and joy are tied closely together, grace is what? What is grace? When I was a little girl growing up, I'm a pastor's kid. I was there every time the church doors are open. My dad made a, you know, I can see it. You, you write this on your paper if you want. Okay, ready? You're going to make a G, and then not beside it, but under it, R-A-C-E. I was taught, this is my acrostic for grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's not on the, this is a freebie. I added it. Okay, this is extra. You don't even have to pay for this one. So, God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is a free gift. And it's combined with joy. So, from this we understand that joy is both a gift from God. That's your first blank. A gift from God. As well as a response to the gifts of God. Is that up there? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, you guys are doing so good. All right. Number two. Joy is a fruit of the Holy... Okay, we got to go click. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit produced only by God's work in us. And you got to fill out that blank. God's work in us. Okay? So joy cannot be grabbed. You can't go out and get you some joy because joy is, is produced by God's work in our lives. Okay? All right, next. And then the verse that we would look at for that is that the, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Say it with me. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Okay, so we understand from that that... Um, God is the giver, all right? 
important. We're going to keep that in mind and keep remembering that. And that's why we know it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's made by the Spirit, by the Spirit's work in us, not by what we can, like, well, we'll keep going and you'll understand. Number three, joy in the Holy Spirit is an essential mark of the kingdom of God. That's our verse that we would take that is Romans 14, 17, which says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy are hallmarks of the kingdom of God, right? They're, they're like, when you think of the kingdom of God, you should think righteousness, peace, and joy. And so those are part and parcel of being in the kingdom, all right? Next thing that we know, biblical or, did I get it yet? Yeah, oh, sorry. There, biblical or Christian joy is not the same as happiness, already mentioned. Happiness is circumstantial, right? It's based on how things are going for me today. But joy is a posture or a position of the heart. Unlike happiness, okay, and I'm, we're, I will make, help you make sense of all that. We're going to unpack it. So unlike happiness, joy can often be present in the midst of adversity. Okay, did you get adversity? That's one of your blanks. And trying circumstances. That's another one of your blanks. Are you following along? Oh, I'm sorry. I have to collect. It's all on the back, but it doesn't come up. Okay, so joy can often be present in the midst of adversity and trying circumstances and is ultimately the result of the triumph of faith. Okay? Um, So... It is faith, and our two verses there, Hebrews 12, 2, we're going to look at in a minute, but 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9 is talking about how it's, by, it's because of faith that we have joy. And so then, but we don't, we don't always feel joyful. It's not a 100% thing that you're experiencing because, click to the next one, the hope of joy in the future, the Bible teaches us, produces endurance during trials. And um, Hebrews 12, 2, that it should not be there, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, where's the joy? Before or at, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So where did the joy come? During the process of going to the cross? No, that was hard. That, that did not feel like joy, but joy was a part of it because he endured for the joy set before him. All right. That is kind of our thumbnail description of what joy looks like. And we did that in how many minutes do you think? How many minutes do you think it took us to define it? Maybe three, five, ten? Do you think it was Ten? Wow. All right, we've got to speed up. All right, let me just say this. Uh, it, it took us just a few minutes to define joy, but experiencing it is much more difficult than defining it. That's right, right? Many times in our fast-paced, what Denny was talking about, we feel like we're just careening through life. And, and when we, we're almost almost out of control. And when we finally stop and catch our breath, instead of feeling joy, we often feel 
as Christians, I'm talking about Christians, we often feel empty and sometimes a little lost on the road. Um, and even though we can remember fleeting moments of happiness, deep abiding joy seems almost impossible. Augustine, who lived in 400 AD, a time which we would all agree was much simpler and slower, said this about joy. He said, without exception, without exception, all try their hardest to reach the same goal, and that is joy. So you're not the first one to struggle with joy, but it's attainable. So we need to ask our quest, ourselves the question, why is joy so hard to come by? Sometimes, what Denny just described when he talked about that young girl who had that really wicked experience in her life, we have life experiences and disappointments and wounds that are in our lives. And they rise up like walls inside of us. Maybe yours might have been, or someone you know might be a diagnosis. Cancer. A an, an non-treatable disease. Maybe it's a shattered relationship. The death of a child. A painful betrayal. Rejection. Abuse. These experiences fill us with questions that keep us angry and bitter and resentful. And they keep God and joy at bay. So the question that rises is, is joy still possible even for the scarred and the damaged? And if joy is something that cannot be grasped but must be given, how do we posture Remember, it says joy is a posture of the heart. How do we posture ourselves to receive the gift? And how do we live with hands wide open to receive what God gives, even when what he gives may not feel like a gift? How do we keep our hands from closing into fists and shaking them at the heavens and screaming, why? How do we fill with hope and empty of hurt? How do we experience the seemingly elusive fruit of the Spirit, joy? Well, last fall, I began teaching our middle school, high school choir, which we've just spoken of, a new series entitled 1,000 Gifts. It's a spiritual and theological journey that author Ann Voskamp took almost by accident. She, uh, she was quite surprised by where her journey led her because she was led to joy. And since we only have about 40 minutes to discuss a journey of a lifetime, um, I'm going to put up there, that's what the book looks like, and I highly recommend if you want to pursue this further after our talk this evening, I highly encourage you to pick up Ann Voskamp's book, 1,000 Gifts. I read Ann Voskamp's book, and I began listing a thousand things for which I am grateful. I immediately recognized why Ann's book was so popular, uh, because in our speeding blur of life, we have forgotten how to connect with God. We've lost our sense of wonder at the world, and many of us are so consumed with the details and the demands of life, 
right? All that pushing and shoving, getting from this appointment to the next, getting your kids to soccer, getting to the business meeting, getting the things done that are, are, our lifeline, our lifeline to God and our connection to God is tangled and dusty. And 1,000 Gifts is about one woman who dares to be grateful and discovers God in the midst of everyday, ordinary life. It is not another Bible study. It is not encouraging you to spend more time in prayer, although you will. But it's just simply listing the beautiful things that God is giving us right now in this moment. 1,000 Gifts is changing my life and the lives of 100 middle school and high school students. Not because gratitude is the key to salvation. We are saved by grace, that not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. But gratitude brings me into God's presence every time. Psalms 100 verse 4 says, I have to click. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And you know this because you've come to church a thousand times. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. We know it. I learned it as a child. I would walk into church. I heard it so often that I began to think in my mind that entering into his gates with thanksgiving meant when I came to church, I should sing praise and I should give thanks to God because I entered into the gates of the church. Now, that's not a bad posture to enter in in church. I'm not saying that, but that's not what he means. David was giving us, if you will, a secret key to unlock the gate into God's presence. And the gate is thanksgiving. I mean, the key is thanksgiving. And it opens the gate. Enter into his gates, into his presence. You see, David was entering into the presence of God through the, ga- through the gate, through using the key of thanksgiving, and into his courts, into where he dwelt, in his courts, using the key of praise. And once we get into God's presence, right, it makes sense because in, I use the King James Version because that's what I memorized, but I know the English is a little weird, but I want you to see it in this, in this um, version. Thou wilt show me the path of life, life, abundant life. In thy presence is what? Say it out loud. If we use thanks as a key to unlock the door to his presence, what will we find? Fullness of joy. That's Psalm 1611. All right. Gratefulness is simple, but it's shaping me, Tammy Glover, into a woman who prays and gives thanks while I do the dishes or other chores I do not like. It gives me, I give thanks and praise while driving the car, even behind someone who drives more slowly than I would like them to. <laughs> it's changing me into a woman who gives thanks and praise while folding the laundry or sitting in a business meeting. Without God's healing presence, his presence, where do we get his presence? We enter through thanksgiving. How do we get in, right? 
Without that presence in our lives, we are all anxious, quick to despair, and continually asking the questions, why God allows what God allows. We can't stop. And, and then we fill with bitterness and emptiness when we focus on those questions. But when I escape my glaring natural and broken tendencies and thank the Lord for what is truly a gift in my everyday life, the fact that the car is not starting this morning is not a deal breaker for my mood. Right? The broken glass of a family heirloom is not worth my raised blood pressure. And when things don't go my way, it's not worth my raised voice. When I am... Now, I want to just make an aside here. Because someone's going to say, okay, Tammy, are you saying that when we give thanks, we never get angry? We all know that's not true. We all know Jesus went into the temple, cleared the tables, and he was mad as a hatter. At, in, at unrighteousness, and he had... That, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the little stuff that steals your joy, the, the joy thieves that are in your life every day, that keeps you boiling and angry for no reason at all. When I am grateful, the world is not only beautiful, but God is good. I am able to see God's goodness. I'm sorry. Oh, there we go. Well, we don't need that yet. I'm able to see God's goodness. And suddenly, who knew, I am surprised by joy through giving thanks. So if you're one of those people who find joy elusive and hard to encounter, take the dare to be grateful. Enter into his gates, into his presence with thanksgiving. Not with plans. All right, think of how you enter into his presence. You enter in with plans. Not with plans. Not with goals. Nothing wrong with all these things. Not with books or commitments or even a long list of prayer requests. There are places for those things. But I enter into his presence, into his gates with thanksgiving. All right. So how do we do this? Let's look at Jesus as an example on the road to joy. Let's see how Jesus did it. All right. It's the Last Supper, and Jesus has gathered his disciples into the upper room, and they're about to eat their last meal together. And uh, Jesus knows completely that he's about to be betrayed and that he's going to the cross. Make no mistake, he knows exactly where he's headed. He's already told them half a dozen times. They just cannot hear. They cannot see. They have eyes, but they do not see. And with this as the backdrop, let's look at... Um, ooh, I don't know if my verse is there. Yeah, no. Okay, we're going to go back. Um, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three and 24. And this is what that verse says. It says, On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks for it. The church calls that, we do that, what do we call it? Communion, right? The church has also called that, what? The Eucharist. The Eucharist, okay? The church calls it the Eucharist, and it is the central symbol for Christianity. All right? The Eucharist is... A, the Eucharist, or the actual word Eucharist Deo, simply means he gave thanks. That's what the word means. He gave thanks. Okay? Now, what's interesting about the word is that the root word of Eucharist Deo is 
charis, meaning grace. All right? Charis comes from the same root word as the Greek word that we just said. Now, let's remember what I taught already, right? What are the two sides of the coin? Joy and grace. grace. Charis and kara, two sides of the same coin. Both of them, then, are a part of Eucharist Deo. Okay? But there's, there's more. So, there are two, which makes us ask the question, all right? So then the, we're going to ask the question of this, all right? Hold on. What is the connection between Charis, grace, Eucharist Deo, thanksgiving, and Chara, joy? Because they're all found inside this word. So what's the connection, all right? Is it possible that the gift of Charis, the gift of grace, which is deep kara joy, is found at the table of Eucharist Deo, thanksgiving. And if joy is found through thanksgiving, then stick with me now, we're, gonna, we're thinking logically, if joy is found at the table of thanksgiving, then as long as thanks is possible, what's possible? Joy. That's right. So, in other words, if thanksgiving is the portal that leads me into his presence, and in his presence is fullness of joy, then finding joy doesn't rely on me getting to an exotic location for my vacation. It doesn't rely on my circumstances being perfect. No. It, it is like we said before, joy is then the posture of the heart and giving thanks is part of that posture. So if you are not experiencing enough joy in your life, then you have to ask yourself, what is my posture? Where's my heart? All right? Then we get to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. This is probably why the Apostle Paul said to us, or said to them and to us, give thanks in all circumstances, For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It is God's will that you experience what? Fullness of joy. Right? He said, I've come to give you life and that you might have it more abundantly. And it comes through this process. All right? Because if thanks is always possible, then so is joy. So what this means then, we're going to come back to that. Well, I lost, I, I'm missing a slide here. I'm sorry about that. But I'm going to help you fill in your blanks. So what that means is that joy can happen whenever, meaning now. Right? If it can happen anywhere that I... Joy can happen whenever, meaning now, because I can give thanks in all circumstances. Paul tells me to. He's not going to ask me to do something I cannot do. He says, give thanks in all circumstances. So if that's what he wants me to do, then I can do it, and then I can experience joy, all right? So, and joy can happen wherever, meaning here. So wherever you are, in whatever you're experiencing, you can have joy now and here, which means joy can happen in the messy, aching now. Now, if you are not excited about that, I mean, i got to tell you, I'm excited about that. Life is sometimes really hard. 
And the good news of the word of God is that he has made a way for us to experience that fullness of joy in his presence. All right, let's keep looking. Jesus' example of Eucharist Deo, it says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three and 24, again, we're going to look at it. The Lord Jesus on the same night, whoops, here we go. The Lord Jesus on the same night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat this, is my body which is broken for you. Now, think about it, betrayal. Betrayal is when the one you trust and love is the one who turns the knife. Betrayal is, the one, is when the one you trust and love turns the knife. Betrayal is abuse. And on the night before, the hammer would drive the nails through his hands and he would be betrayed. And on the night before, his, the, the nails would go through his hands and feet, Jesus and Jesus would face the abandonment of God himself something you and I will never experience because he did it for us on the night before that happened Jesus took the bread and he said this is my body which is he gave what does it say he gave after he it says okay the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had what how many times do you read that like he said, uh, thank you, Jesus, for this food. In Jesus' name, amen. How many times? I thought it. I'm not lying. I'll tell the truth. I've looked at that and thought he gave grace. He did grace, right? He gave grace for the food. He said the grace. No, Jesus gave thanks for what would break his body and spill his blood. Hurt and heartache are unavoidable. In a moment, without even seeing it coming, we all hit life's potholes and feel the jarring pain. You know it, and I know it. And Denny told us a story about it. So the question is not, will you and I have these moments of loss and dizzying confusion as to why they're happening? They are going to come. The real issue is, how will we respond to the inevitable and unavoidable moments, the hard Eucharist Deo? When we discover the secret to a heart of gratitude, we can face these certain moments with grace, strength, and even what seems impossible, joy. So we are to face all circumstances by giving thanks. I have to see what you see. So, well, we're, we're not quite there yet. He gave thanks for the bread. He gave thanks, right? Then the, okay, so in, he gave thanks for what would break him. He gave thanks for what would spill his blood. But then there's something really interesting that we have to go back and notice. And I know that this is like, it's kind of heady. You know what I mean? But I want you to have, like, like when you dig in for gold, I want you to get the, the meat of what, what is in this passage, okay? It's really important. It's life transforming. All right? And my kids, who are 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, they're, they got this. It's amazing. 
that in between now when Jesus, we want to go back, let me go back before we do this. Jesus' example of Eucharisteo, it says that in between, in Hebrews, oh no, I'm sorry, you know what, I'm really sorry. This is not working quite right for me. I want to go back to Hebrews 12, 2, that said for the, that he endured the cross for the joy, what? Set before him. Remember I had you read that out loud? He endured the cross for the joy set before him. What's really important to see there is that Jesus, what gave him the endurance of the cross was knowing that there was joy waiting on the other end. And remember I told you at the beginning that it's a function of faith. Sometimes in your difficult circumstances, joy isn't maybe right when you're feeling it. But for the joy that you know will come, you are having endurance. All right? So time, and, and here's what happens. The miracle, which you saw, because I, Eucharist Deo, Thanksgiving, precedes the miracle. So in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, for the joy set before him, here, I mean, he endured the cross. Enduring the cross is the miracle. He gave thanks to his father, then he endured the cross, and then he has the joy at the end. The miracle is the endurance. In, in um, John 11, 41, Jesus is at Lazarus' tomb. Tears are streaming down his face. We know this because it said Jesus wept. Tears are streaming down his face, and he looked up and prayed, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and then the miracle of the dead man rising. All right? In 2 Chronicles 20, 22, Jehoshaphat and the Israelites are about to be attacked by an overwhelmingly powerful army. So powerful that they cannot even hope to de- defend themselves, let alone defeat them. And when they begin to give thanks to the Lord and begin to sing his praise, this is what 2 Chronicles 20, 22 says. It says, the Lord set ambushes against their enemies, destroying them completely. Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, they were, they were taken to prison for their faith. They're beaten, they're in stocks, and they begin praising God, singing his praises, thanking him, and what happens? The earthquake, and the jailer and his whole family come to Christ. Thanksgiving precedes the miracle. Now, sometimes the miracle is of deliverance. But sometimes we know that the miracle is of endurance. That's, you you must understand that. Sometimes the miracle is of endurance. I want to read to you uh, an article that just was published by Ravi Zacharias Ministries. And it's about the 21 Coptic Christians who were martyred for their faith just weeks ago. Not even weeks ago. I want to just read you a a few really interesting words from his article. By now, the video showing ISIS vicious murders of 21 Coptic Christians has burned itself into our consciousness. As the blades touched their necks, the victims shouted or mouthed the words, Ya Rab Yeshua, Oh Lord Jesus. They called out to the light of the world as cowardly men robed in darkness brutalized them. An article sometime back about a certain country that meets out capital punishment through public beheadings describes the surprising fact that the condemned tend not to fight, even as they walk up to the spot where their lives will end. 
They simply kneel and lay there, surrendering to their fate. Their strength drains away. The country's chief executioner said, they have no fight left in them. That's why ISIS victims that we've seen on TV seem so strangely passive in the moments before the imminent brutality. Our hearts melt, our knees buckle, our strength drains away. But appearances are deceiving. The strength of those 21 men did not drain away. Statistically, they should have melted before their captors, ra before their captors' ravenous barbarity. Such are the outcomes that result from mere human strength. But those Christians refused to renounce Christ and instead called on him. They did the remarkable for one reason. They could do all things through Christ who gave them strength that does not drain away. The cowardly radicals themselves thought themselves to have conquered the Christian men simply because they had them on their knees. Yet those very same Christians were more than their conquerors because they cleaved to Jesus, even in the face of the unspeakable. Each one of them was something more than a conqueror, something different than and better than a conqueror because they emulated the one they professed to love. Rome had no army to match the angel armies of the living God, yet Jesus did not sound the charge as he was dragged to court and brutalized. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. How ironic that Jesus sacrificed himself to give eternal life to the very people who sought his death. Jesus faced a terrible and inevitable pain at the hands of sin's ugliness, yet he did not lose heart and his strength did not drain away. He endured the cross because of the joy set before him, the salvation of those who would trust him. Perhaps something similar was working in the hearts and minds of those 21 men. They endured their fate with Christ-imbued strength because of the joy set before them the eternal presence of God. The act of giving thanks, even for broken bread and the cup of cost, for cancer and crucifixion, prepares the way for God to show us our fullest salvation. Giving thanks in all circumstances sets us free from living bitter, angry, resentful lives and delivers us from all sin that keeps us from God. Perhaps you've heard Pastor Ed say that God works all things together for good, but that doesn't mean that all things are good. The brother of the two men who were martyred had this to say about the event, and I quote, an event we clearly think as heinous. ISIS gave us, this is a, this is a man, I heard him, his testimony, this is a man who had two brothers who were killed at the same time in that lineup. He said, ISIS gave us more than we asked when they didn't edit out the part where they declared their faith and called upon Jesus Christ. ISIS helped us strengthen our faith. 
Acts of barbarism and murder are not good. But our God, our mighty, saving God, can take even the worst nightmare and work all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And that's what we have to do. We have to thank God for the good that he will bring. And sometimes, oftentimes, that is before the good happens. This is the hard Eucharisteo. Holding our hands open to God when what God is giving does not feel like a good gift. So the question for us tonight is, um, do I really want this joy this way? Am I willing to follow Jesus' example and give thanks for what causes or has caused my pain? And remember, I'm not saying that the event is good. I'm saying the event is bad. What causes or has caused your pain is bad. But I thank God for the good that he will bring. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Very important to keep that clear in our minds. Because not all things are good, right? Pastor Ed says God works, the Bible teaches us God works all things together for our good, but not all things are good. So the question for tonight is this. Am I willing to follow Jesus' example and give thanks for what causes or has caused my pain? You see, as Christians, like this is, everyone look right here. This is so important. As Christians, we can say yes to Jesus dying on the cross, but then in our lives, live the no. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? We can say yes to Jesus dying on the cross, the grace of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, but then there's a big difference here between receiving the grace of God that, God offer, that Jesus offers at the cross and being filled with grace to the point of overflowing every day. By giving thanks for everything, it allows the miracle of salvation to be fully worked out in our lives. That's why we have the verse that says, work out your faith in fear and trembling. What are we working out? We're saved. Yes, we are. But there is, there is this opening our hands to God. Giving thanks in all circumstances. Now, I want you to know that uh, in the year about 2000, Ed was my husband, Ed, was so sick, he was unto death. And um, I would come down in the morning and he'd be laying on the living room floor and he would have a glass of water beside him and he would lay there and I was watching him ebb away before my eyes, watching him die a little bit more every day. He couldn't eat, he writhed in pain. We went to every doctor and there was no answer. And I cannot tell you, I, you know, I called my parents and I said, um, and my dad was dying and I, the pain that I could, the physical pain that I could feel in my physical body that had, not, I was fine, but the pain was so great. You know, you've been there. You know emotional pain like that. And I remember one night coming to Christ Church and some of you are old enough to remember Gordon who played the guitar. How many of you remember Gordon? He was singing a song I hated. 
Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Amen. Okay, now, I was not a fan of this song. I, I felt that after, I can remember that there were times up to this day that I had sung the song and I would think, we can stop saying that now. And sometimes I wouldn't sing it on the like second or third time because I didn't like it. I am honest. You, are, you will see me warts and all. I will tell you the truth. I did not like it. And that night I walked into the service and he is up there playing that guitar singing, Yes, Lord, and I'm, sit, I'm in the front row. I love the front row. I was raised on the front row. My mother could yell at me from the organ. Quiet. Stop talking. Your dad is preaching. You can sleep, yes. But no, no talking. So I'm, I'm there, and, it, 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 and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came on me in such a powerful way. And he spoke like my ear. You know how when the Holy Spirit sometimes speaks to you, and you don't, my ears hurt the burning of it. He said, will you say yes to me? Will you open your hands to this gift I'm giving you? And I didn't want to. I was afraid. What if he took my husband? My life was falling apart. I couldn't pay my bills. I was afraid. And it was all hard, Eucharistio. But I remember Gordon. He was playing that guitar. And I stood in the front row. And I said, I held my hands open. And I said, yes, Lord. And I was thankful that night that they sang it over and over and over again because I needed, and I have to tell you what happened to me on that night. On that night, the peace of God that passes all understanding came into my heart. And my situation had not changed one iota, but God began a work in me. And I, my painful chest, I could feel as if I was having a heart attack. I lifted it towards heaven. And I said, though you slay me, yet I will praise you, Job. This evening, um, I've been talking to you about how to experience joy. And much in the same way, I could talk to you about how water quenches your thirst, right? And um, we could talk about it for a long time, but the only way that you can quench your thirst is to, de- to drink deeply. Like you can look at it even. You could hold it in your hand and you still will not have your thirst quenched. The only way that your thirst is quenched is if you drink, and I will. And you will wish that you could, I know. So we can talk all night about gratitude and where it can lead us, but in order to experience, we have to do something, all right? I'm big on doing, all right? So last fall, I said the same thing to my choir, and we began the journey to Eucharisteo. We began gratitude journals, counting 1,000 gifts for those who would write. I encouraged those to, I gave notebooks, and guess what? I brought them for you. I bought them with my own money. It's my gift to you tonight because I love you. I do. I love you. It's so awesome to be with you tonight. Thank you for having me. 
thank you for being here. I mean, my word. So we told them to write everything down in these journals, and we told them, because I know some of them wouldn't do it, I said, you can snap pictures with your phones, right? Urban kids all have phones. It's dangerous there. They have to have something to call the 911 while they're walking. I'm not lying. So I said, snap pictures. You have phones. Snap them with your phones. So they did, and we, we put them all, they'd send them into us all week long, and we put them on a Tumblr site, and every week at choir, we'd read what they wrote in their journals, and we'd look at the pictures of what they were thankful for. Now, I want to tell you, it was pathetic the first week. The first week, all they were thankful, I'm not lying, I, the first week they were only thankful for, there were hardly any pictures, hardly any journal entries, they were thankful for their mothers and a few friends. I'm not lying. They, they could not see the gifts of God all around them. They were blind. So, um, but they were diligent to learn Eucharist Deo in the small things. And so we, we gave them examples, and, which I'm going to do with you in just a minute. And they started to see things like water fountains, sunsets, band-aids, tape, chairs, vending machines, a spoonful of ice cream, Pavement, trees, buses, pets, and even toilets. <laughs> oh, running water. I mean, you, it goes on and on. And soon, nothing escaped their keen attention. They had so many pictures, we couldn't get them all out. We couldn't, we couldn't spend all night watching them. We had to pick the highlights. And my eyes grew keener, too. And I started my thankfulness journal. So I'm going to let you hear my thankfulness journal. My daughter, who without thought gave me this beautiful burlap journal. Hot coffee, the smell of it. The sound of the tea kettle as it whistles, as it whistles out, I'm bubbly hot, I'm ready. <laughs> the delicious first sip of the steaming hot mug of coffee. I love coffee. Quiet mornings, twinkling Christmas lights, books to read, the dancing fire and its dreamy warmth. Time. God is in the present. I am. My husband, a sleeping man and a sleeping son in my living room. Kissy Lou, which is what I call my daughter, in a gray sweater, orange plaid skirt, and a mouthful of chewing gum. Sons rushing to the car not to be late for church. The quiet of an early morning. Sitting quiet with hubby in the living room. Playing children, almost grown, in the basement. Husband of 27 years, familiar, older, mine. Carols we sang at church today. My family there, all together, like we have been a thousand times before. An added girlfriend, Sarah, who's now my son's wife. Everyone coming to the house at once. Abby's guests, parents, the neighbors to use the ovens, Matt Karchner with a card and cookies, big boys rushing off to shop, phones ringing, prayers needed. The quiet after the storm sitting with my best friend, Eddie, by the fire, watching an old, familiar movie, sipping cold wine, 
the eagerness in my soul in the early morning as I anticipate soul's renewal with my Jesus. Thankful for Ann Voskamp and her journey, her sharing it. It is music that slows me and fills me and allows me to breathe. White lights, crystal candlesticks, white candles that glisten like diamonds on my mantle. My friend Elizabeth, sleeping in my bed next to my handsome, his rhythmic breathing that signals my body that all is well and I may go to sleep. Covers in my bed, sheets, soft pillows, cozy mattress, a glass of purified water from my Brita filter, a beautiful snowy white mug filled with clean water that turns bubbly hot by the microwave. I am thankful for the microwave. Decaf tea. I am thankful for less anxiety when I drink decaf tea. A fat fluffy cat meowing at the window, purring at his food dish, feeding and cleaning his water, his funny quirky self, like stealing the children's marbles from the marble roller and then chasing them around the house. Garbage retrieval. Storm windows. Freezing below zero temperatures and a warm house to keep out the frosty cold. My mother here to share it for more than three days. Children studying, their minds to think and reason, their computers and their books to learn from and learn with. Nathan, my son, curly mop, kind, forgetful, tender, loving heart. Joshua, impetuous, planner, determined, generous, doer. Fierce lover, Jonathan, quiet, watching, loyal, quick to see me. Little girl, that's Abby. Friend, helper, bubbly, social, kind. Thankful for so much love for my family that it makes my chest ache. Thankful for this brief moment, all at home before they launch. Thankful that they're able to launch. Thankful for all of our years together at 619 Avery Street. Thankful that in my recognition of everything that is fading and passing and changing, that I sit in the presence of an unchanging forever God where nothing is lost or past or faded. His glory is sustainable. It keeps shining like the sun. Fabric softener. <laughs> You get the idea. Some of your thanks are lofty, some are simple. It doesn't matter. It just matters that you record the gifts. And when you practice doing small Eucharist Deo, small Thanksgiving, it strengthens your muscles so you can do the hard Eucharist Deo. One night after, you know, at the beginning of choir, I told you we share all these things, and John heard this story before and actually had me tell it. There was a little girl who said, um, I want to share my, my Thanksgiving story. And uh, so I said, okay. She goes, I'm going to tell you, you tell it. And this is what she said to me. She said, one morning my mother called me down to the kitchen table, and she said to me, um, I need to talk to you. And she said, um, I'm not your mother, and all the people who you think are your family are not your family. She said, one day when I was here at the house, a woman came to my door. 
She wasn't even a friend. She was just an acquaintance. And she brought you to me. And I kept you. And I should have probably told you before, but I didn't have the courage. And the girl said that she sat there and her face began to turn red and her ears began to burn. And she was filled with anger. She had been lied to. Lied to since birth. Everyone who she thought was her family was not even a, nothing to her. Her mother, who was she? A stranger. She was angry. She was so angry, she said she, she pushed her mother away, who was now crying at the table, and she ran up to her upstairs to her bedroom, and she slammed the door. She wanted to hear no more. And she said, then she said, and I found myself in my room, and I was just like you said, Annie Tam. I had my fists raised to heaven, and I said, this isn't right, this isn't fair. And when I said those words, she said, I remember what you said. I remember that you said when we have fists closed to God that we have to open our hands even when the gift that God gives doesn't feel like a good gift. And so she said, I told the Lord, I don't want to do this, but Annie Tam says I have to. <laughs> and so she opened her hands to heaven and she said, I thank you, God. And she said suddenly there was a thought in her mind from nowhere. She said the thought was this. My mother isn't even my mother, and she took me. She must really love me. She said as soon as that thought left her mind, another thought came to her mind. All those people, I've never known that I wasn't a part of this big extended family. In fact, I always thought they never treated me any different. I'm as, I'm as, I'm, everyone knows, but every, I'm an equal in my family. I am a daughter, I am a niece, I am a granddaughter, and I am loved. And then she said, another thought came into her mind. I go to a private school and it costs my mother a lot of money. In fact, my mother works two jobs to keep me there. And she said at the thought of this, she was so overwhelmed with love and joy for her mother. She ran downstairs. Her mother had her head in her hands like this and was crying at the kitchen table. She threw her arms around her mother and she said, Mother, I love you. Thank you. Thank you for taking me. Thank you for making me your daughter. And they wept in each other's arms. She said to me, Ami Tam, what you taught us is true. All of it is true. Tonight, I'm saying to you, maybe you're tired of living without joy. So tonight, I invite you, like my young girl in the choir and so many others, to take the dare to live life fully. No more just thinking about water, but actually drink deeply. In the back on the table are notebooks that I would like you to take one. Some are tiny, so you can keep them in the purse or in the pocket. Others are large. You can keep them by the bed. This is one of many. Because I need to keep writing my thanks. Because it is my passage to joy. Enter into his gates, his presence, with thanksgiving. Begin your journey towards joy today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone 
who has heard my words tonight. May each one have the courage to enter into your gates, into your presence with thanksgiving and experience the fullness of joy that is found there. And from there, may we be in such a posture that whether we are to be delivered or to endure, we are able. We commit the families and friends of our martyred brothers into your hands. We thank you for how they continue to encourage us and encourage all believers everywhere for their courageous faith, for enduring for the joy set before them. May we be worthy of their walk and worthy of yours. In the precious name of Jesus, the name above all names we pray. Amen.